likes Marvel movies? Everyone likes Marvel movies, right? How about, how about Star Wars or Batman? Um, any of those, right? I think people are big fans of those because uh, they all have sort of an origin story. And that's probably the most popular one, like Luke Skywalker, how he came of age, that sort of thing. I mean, Batman, the Batman series has been redone over and over and over again because they can always just go back and redo the origin story of some of the characters. And now we're even getting into origin stories uh, behind some of the villains because we like to see how people can progress. So I'm going to show you, uh, share with you a little bit of an origin story um, of mine here. You're going to see a picture come up here of uh, my platoon when I commanded a platoon of Airborne Ranger infantrymen. Uh, and this was a picture in Iraq uh, from 2007. All right, so this was an unconventional opportunity for me to lead this group because, like I said, this was an infantry unit, but I was actually branched artillery. But I wanted to be an infantryman, and I wanted to be a ranger, and I was given the opportunity to do that. So like a lot of things in life, any success that we have is not possible without the help of others. And I had a little bit of that help. Uh, and in fact, I didn't really uh, start off very well. I kind of made it hard for myself, because when I showed up to my very first unit, before they were, even gave me command of that platoon, I had to go meet my battalion commander. So this was 2006, mid-2006. My battalion commander um, was a steely-eyed, very tough and strong um, infantry 20-year uh, colonel. And he had been born in Vietnam, so he had made it through a lot. And he was just a hard commander, hard in a good way. Uh, he happened to have gone to the University of Southern California, USC. Uh, which I had learned because I had done a little bit of research and heard about him. Um, so I went to meet him in 2006. And this was just a few months removed from perhaps the greatest football game ever played, the Rose Bowl, where Texas beat USC. And I went to the University of Texas. So he calls me into his office to introduce him again for the first time. The unit's about to go to Iraq. And here I come strolling in. And I'm like, hook him, sir. Yeah, that didn't go over too well. That did not go over well at all. Uh, it's not often that officers put other officers in the push-up position, but I was probably there about 45 minutes in his office. He told me, look, I am not your buddy. Yeah, he, he threw in a couple of extra words, and I'm not going to say in church, too, uh, but that was not a great start. That was not a great start for me. So my origin story or coming of age in that context is, regardless of that, he saw something in, in me. Because that commander is the one that put me in command of that platoon. And he's also the one that, with his endorsement, I was able to make it into the Rangers later. He saw something in me. That's, that's what most origin stories are, right? They're a coming of age where someone is inadequate. Something or somebody else outside of them sees something in them and equips them for what they're going to do. So my favorite is probably Captain America, right? Patriotic guy. He just wants to serve. He wants to enlist. He wants to be in the game and in the fight, and he just can't. He doesn't pass the physical. He, just do he doesn't have it on his own power to do it. And then the serum gives him his superhero strength, uh, and he has the virtues to live up to it, and the rest is history, right? Some, somebody saw something in him. Something saw something, gave him, equipped him beyond his power in what he could do. 
So today we're going to talk about the origin story of one of my favorite Bible characters, that's Simon Peter. Now, there are plenty of great origin stories of how God uses ill-equipped people uh, to accomplish his mission. I mean, Moses murdered an Egyptian and then waited 40 years. There's plenty of examples like that. But Peter, uh, Simon Peter is someone that I can really sort of re relate to personally. So we're going to go through that. I'm going to read from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Um, and we're just going to go through a little bit about it. So we, some of this is familiar, right? Simon Peter's, a, he's a fisherman. He's a regular old guy. He's an ordinary man. So keep in mind, I think, I think when we think of the disciples, especially someone like Peter and his role in the book of Acts, I think we think of them as sort of superhero or superhuman types, right? Like we have the superhero end state when we, when we think of them. But Simon Peter wasn't a Pharisee. He wasn't a scholar. He wasn't educated. He was a fisherman. And so we know how he was called. Matthew 4, verse 19, Jesus called out to them. This is him uh, and his brother, Andrew. Come and be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. So Jesus just called. So what's special about Peter, right? He's an ordinary guy, uh, doesn't have any special qualifications or anything like that. What's special about him is that he just followed. He just followed. He dropped his net and he went with them. So he started following Jesus. He starts to see the teachings and the Sermon on the Mount and the miracles. He witnessed his mother-in-law being healed. He witnessed Jesus raise someone from the dead. Um, and then he witnessed the feeding of the multitudes. Um, and just after that, we're going to pick it up here in Matthew 14, just after Jesus feeds 5,000, starting in verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Afterward, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. By the way, do we ever get the chance to go off by ourselves and pray? Do you ever go off by yourself and pray? Jesus did it. You see, some of us, and I'm saying us on purpose because I'm included, some of us are too busy. Nobody's busier than Jesus. I may be involved in a whole lot of different things, but Jesus is involved in God's plan, saving eternity. No one's busier, and he stopped and prayed. Some of us are too busy. And I don't mean like, hey, how's it going, man? Oh, yeah, great, busy, great, busy. I mean, we're so busy, not even just busy, we're distracted. We're so distracted that Jesus and God get the leftovers when actually we should be giving God our first. Something else on the to-do list can fall off. God can get our first, not our leftovers. And Jesus models that for us. That's the point here. He goes off to himself. Of all the people that wanted to talk to him and needed to be healed, he went off on his own and prayed. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they screamed in terror. Popular Bible verse, we've heard our whole lives as kids, Jesus walking on water. But again, put your mind in the situation. The disciples are in a boat in a storm in the middle of the sea. And Jesus just walks up to them. 
were raised knowing that Jesus walked on water, but if you didn't know it and you saw it, you would be terrified. When I was a kid, my family took me to one of those haunted house things that you go to around uh, Halloween. I was probably 10 years old, something like that. And we got home and then it was night and, and a car drove by outside and it flashed a light through the window and it was this white flash across the, the, the wall. And it terrified me. I lost it. So I thought it was a ghost because I was primed having been to this haunted house and I thought I saw a ghost and it terrified me. We don't see a lot of ghosts in our society, but if we saw a ghost, we'd be petrified. And that's what's happening here. But Jesus spoke to them at once. It's all right, he said. I'm here. Don't be afraid. And then Peter called to him. You see, Peter always said what was on his mind. This is the guy that chopped off a guy's ear in defense of Jesus. That's the good and the bad about Peter is he followed Jesus and he said and did what came to his mind. And that's a good thing. Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on the water. And Jesus says, all right, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Again, ordinary fisherman, nothing special about him. He just chose to follow, just chose to follow. That's it. And he walked on water. Again, we gloss over this, but Peter walked on water, not just Jesus. Peter did too. But then when he looked around at the high waves and the wind, he was terrified and began to sink. And he said, save me, Lord. And he shouted out to him. Notice it was only when he took his eyes off of Jesus and onto what there was to be afraid of that he started to sink. And how often do we get distracted by the winds and the waves when all we need to do is cast our vision back to Jesus? We can always cast our vision back to Jesus simply because of how he responds. Jesus doesn't say, nah, too bad. Sorry, so sad. I hope you can swim. He instantly reaches a hand out to him. Verse 31 says, you don't have much faith or oh, ye of little faith. Why did you doubt me? Come on, Peter, you were on the water, man. You were already walking on the water. How could you doubt me at that point? But he helped him in and the disciples worshiped him. And they said, you really are the son of God. So Peter's walking on the water and he has this moment of doubt. You're starting to see how I can kind of relate to him, right? I followed Jesus for a long time, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't have doubts along the way. What doubts are you facing? And I don't mean doubts of like, oh God, I don't, I don't know if you're real anymore and that sort of thing. I'm talking about the subtle doubts. Can I do this? I, I hear you, God, but... Am I ready? Or there's something out of my control. I, I don't know what to do about it. And, and I doubt whether God's in control. It's the subtle things. Peter doubted. The good and the bad of Peter, he follows and yet he doubts. After he doubted, so this is a little bit further, Matthew 16, starting in verse 16. Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of God and the living rock. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You do not learn from any human being. Now I say 
that you are Peter, and he renames him. So we call him Simon, Simon Peter. That's because Jesus gave him the name Peter. The Hebrew for Peter is Cephas, which translates in Greek to Petros, which means rock. More specifically, it's like a secondary rock or an off-center rock or, or a rock that's off the main rock is what it is a little bit more specifically. And so he's basically calling Peter, he's renaming him rock. He's renaming him rock. Upon this rock, after he names him, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you lock on earth will be locked in heaven, and whatever you open on earth will be opened in heaven. Yeah, I know you doubted, Peter. I know you had your issues. But you are the rock. By the way, notice there's no, no qualifiers there, right? There's no, you are the rock as long as you don't doubt again. Or you are the rock as long as you keep your voice in line and don't you know, question anything. There's none of that. There's no qualifiers. There's no as long as. There's no, you are the rock as long as you don't doubt me three times. There's none of that. Because those things happen, right? It's just after that that Jesus starts to tell his disciples about his death that he's predicting. And Peter says, no, that ain't happening. Peter being the outspoken, that ain't happening. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I've ever personally been called Satan. And I know I haven't been by Jesus himself. And Peter was. He was already the rock, and Jesus called him Satan. And we know the story later on when Jesus is being persecuted, persecuted uh, when he's arrested, when he's basically on his way to his death, and how Peter denied him three times, just as Jesus has predicted. And yet he was still the rock. He was still a rock. Despite his shortcomings, he still stepped into what God called him to do, and that was to lead the early church, as we read about in Acts. In the first chapter of Acts, he basically steps in and starts to lead the group as an offshoot sort of organization. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit descends on the disciples and him in the Pentecost. So what a blessing that is for us, because we get to experience the Holy Spirit because it descended on Peter and the disciples in the Pentecost. Peter, the one that doubted Jesus when he was standing on water and fell in and denied Jesus three times by Acts chapter 3, had stepped into following his calling so obediently that in chapter 3 of Acts, he's healing people. He heals a lame man and picks him up, tell him, picks up your mat and walk. This is the Peter that denied Jesus three times. And then, of course, in chapter 4, he's preaching. He's under arrest. He's imprisoned. Uh, and he preaches. And the people were amazed, it says, because they were ordinary men. And that's, that's why I can relate to him so much. I recognize my shortfalls all the time, my doubts. I, I get it, Peter. I get it. Now, I ain't healing anybody, but I sort of get it. Peter was a kingdom man. 
He was a kingdom man. We talk about kingdom men. We call ourselves kingdom men because we are men of the kingdom. And a kingdom man is simply someone that submits to God's authority and yet embraces the mission and the commission that we've been ordained with. We follow our calling. That's what a kingdom man is. A little bit more about my origin story as it comes to church service. I'd never really volunteered in church uh, until I joined this church probably nine, 10 years ago. And I was invited to a men's Bible study on uh, Friday morning. Uh, and I went and I was the, the youngest guy of this Bible study, which by the way, it is never a bad idea to be the youngest and least experienced guy in a room full of godly men. If you could find yourself there, find yourself there. And that's what I did, but I don't want to. Hey, Jeff, you ought to come to this Bible study. We're going to read Courageous about being a parent, about being a father. I got to drive to Buckhead afterwards. It's early. I'm going to miss my workout, all that kind of stuff. But I, I, hey, I had that tickle, right? That inkling. We know that voice. So I went. Sure enough, a few months later, I felt this little tickle, this little inkling, this urge to start a men's group for my Sunday school class because we didn't have one. And it seemed like a gap to me, something missing. But hold on a second. I, I hadn't been to seminary. I never taught anything. I really hadn't volunteered or served anymore. Guys, no one was coming to me saying, Jeff, you seem like a, good, a guy that could teach really well. Why don't you do this? I just had the inkling. And so I just did it. And so I've been involved with men's groups ever since. So you can tell where my passion lies in sharpening each other. And that's because I get sharpened, guys. I love it. But I'm not anything special, all right? So don't get it twisted. I'm not anything special because through all of that, anything that I've been able to do by way of teaching or being with guys is simply because I woefully fall short of the grace of God every day. And it's only by his grace that I can teach anything at all. And guys, look, sometimes we don't have a choice. Sometimes we don't have a choice. If you're a father, you don't have a choice. There are people depending on you. People say to me sometimes, you know, you're a special needs dad, Jeff, and God chose you to be that special little girl's daddy. I say, no, I don't think so. I don't think God chose me because I was anything special. I think he uses that situation to make me what he wants me to be. And it's through that refining that I see how flawed I am. We don't have a choice, guys. We don't have a choice. Jesus says in the Great Commission, go and make disciples. That's what we're here for. Make disciples of all nations. That's why we're in this room. He doesn't say, go and make disciples if you feel like it. And he doesn't say, go and make disciples if you're ready. And he doesn't say, go and make disciples if you have time. And he definitely doesn't say, go and make disciples if you feel qualified and equipped. You see, God doesn't, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. You've heard that before. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We don't have to be able. We just have to be available. That's all. 
It's the transforming power of Jesus that takes us from that ordinary man to the extraordinary. It's Jesus that brings us there. He moves the mountains. When we realize that, then that little inkling, that little tickle, that little instinct, that little voice that we're afraid of because we're not ready or qualified or have time for, when we realize that it's not on me anyway, it's easy. Now we can be like Peter and just step on the water because I know I can't walk on water. But Jesus lets me walk on water. See, with God, things that are extraordinary become ordinary because of his involvement. And that's what I've seen, and that's what I've experienced, and that's what I've witnessed, and that's what I want to see here. So here's the point. The point is, if we look at Peter, then we should be encouraged. We should be fired up. Man, we should be ready to take that step. Guys, you're ready. You are ready. You are able. You are qualified. What do you think you need to be qualified? You, you got Jesus. You got God. You are qualified. Let's go. Let's do it. We should have that sense of confidence because God is behind us. And when God is with me, he's going to carry out his mission and I don't have anything to worry about. The only thing I'm worried about is when I get to the other side and I see the opportunities that God presented to me to accomplish his mission, but instead had to accomplish it with someone else. That's like being on the 96 Bulls and saying, nah, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think I'm ready for it. You get invited to the championship, hop on that train. You get invited to the victory, jump on in. You don't even have to be the Michael Jordan. You just get to ride the train to the championship. That, that fires me up. That gets me excited. So what do you do? What do you do? I want you to think of where you are in your origin story. I don't mean like how I became saved or what kind of church I grew up in. I mean in the coming of age kind of scenario, in Peter's walk or Captain America's transition or transfer. Where, where are you in there? Are you, are you ordinary, Peter, that Jesus is saying, follow me? And all you got to do is step. Or are, you the Jesus that's, or are you the Peter that's seen Jesus a little bit and you're following and you're not quite sure and you're saying, hey, well, if you're on the water, let me go on the water. And, and he says, come, and you just got to step on that water. Is that where you are? This is what I want you to think about yourself. Are you the Peter that walked on the water, fell in, and then was called the rock, and so you're strong, and yet in the face of adversity, you, you feel the temptation to say, nah, Jesus. To which he says, Satan, get behind me. Or are you the Peter that's been all the way through it and faces the persecution that tempts you to deny him? Or are you the Peter that's ready to lead the church? That's the introspective question that I'll leave you with. It's real simple, though. Wherever you are there, all you got to do is take one step. So that's my challenge to every man here. Don't leave 
this event and, okay, I'll see you next quarter or next time without taking one simple step of change. Now, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is for you. That could be, that could be join a men's group. I know of a few. Daniel will get you plugged in one. Maybe you need to start one. That might be it. Maybe it's, hey, I need to sign up to serve somewhere. Maybe you need to accept Jesus. Maybe you're not quite there and you just need to make that prayer confession. Maybe you have it on your heart to start an intergenerational men's group. I would love to see that. There are men here who I need to learn from in their walk, and there could be men here that I can share what I've learned. We tend to fall into groups of discipleship with peers, but to span it across generations shares wisdom. So I don't know what it is for you, but I suspect that you do. I suspect you have that little tickle, that inkling. You know, you're driving down the road. Ah, oh, God, I hear you calling me want to do this. Maybe it's getting involved with this ministry more formally and helping us to lead it. Guys, we need men that are going to carry this thing into the next level. All right, we've talked about this before. We simulcasted the Johnny Hunt conference earlier this year, and we're going to do our own. But we need experience and passion and hands and men to do that. I can't put on a conference. Maybe someone in this room says, hey, whom shall I send? Here I am. Send me. What else could we be doing as a ministry? How can we as men serve each other? Some of you have answers to those questions. And you have the opportunity and you have the qualification to share them and bring this ministry to the next level because we have God. So that's my challenge. I'm going I'm to pray here, and then we're going to wrap up with a couple of announcements. Um, but once we're done, talk amongst yourselves. Turn to the guy next to you and say, hey, which Peter are you? Where are you in your origin story? And what is your one step? Before you leave tonight, articulate verbally your one step to another guy in this room. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the story of Peter that encourages us so much. It shows us that it doesn't matter that we're flawed because we have you, Jesus, and we have you, God, and with you, our flaws don't matter. And God, how encouraging it is to know that we can just follow you and you got it all. There's none, none to worry about, none to be afraid of. And that's all because we've seen you move mountains. We've seen you rise from the dead. We've seen you put Peter on the water. And that gives us the confidence and the faith to follow. So Lord, help us to do that. Help us to seek you in all that we do and to take that step towards what you're calling us to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I'm going to have my friend uh, Chris Morgan come up here and share a little bit with you. Chris is the newest member of our leadership team. Hey, Chris, welcome. How y'all doing tonight? So Chris recently joined us. And uh, so my first question is, how's it going on the uh, leadership team here? First off, let me just say that uh, we had a Zoom meeting last week. 
um, and kind of a rundown of how we were going to do tonight. And uh, they asked, hey, what if one of you leaders be willing, or part of the leadership team be willing to, to speak? And I said, yeah, I guess I can do it. And uh, we really didn't talk much more about that. And I just got kind of thrown into it. But then I didn't know that Jeff was actually writing his message based on me coming up here tonight. <laughs> so that's how I felt when I was listening to Jeff. Like, hey, this is it's really hitting home for me. So. Yeah. So why did you join the team? We, we occasionally, like we do, like, hey, we need some guys to join the team. What led yeah, you to join? I've been going to Piedmont for an extremely long time now, I guess probably since about 2012, maybe. Um, and nonetheless, I kept hearing these terms being used like spiritual gift. And um, I never really kind of understood spiritual gift. Like, it just wasn't something that stuck in my head that well. So. When I really started diving deep and understanding, hey, what is your spiritual gift, Chris? Um, I kind of found out that organizing events um, such as this is definitely uh, something that I find to be my spiritual gift. Um, I did quick background. I, I was looking out in the room and I see one of my former students. I was a past uh, high school student leader um, at Piedmont Church as well, um, but I never really led the in. So that was kind of like, wait a minute. Am I really equipped to mm. do this? Yeah. So is that what took you so long? <laughs> I tease him by saying, hey, what took you so long? But definitely to hold it up is I just didn't feel like I was adequate enough. Um, I didn't feel like I knew that there was guys that were leading Bible studies and I would come to a Wednesday night Bible study and whether it would be Jeff or uh, Jeff McAdams leading or somebody else. And I was like, man, this is eye-opening. And I was like, I've never led a men's study. Yeah. Um, but then... Also, we did the D groups, and I've actually kind of been a, a lead role in the D groups as well that I've been a part of. Um, so I just wanted to take a little bit step further and say, you know what, um, maybe the leadership team yeah. need to be. Amen. And it's been great. I mean, his input, his passion for men is felt. Uh, and it's been phenomenal. And it's the type of thing like the production team or the band, uh, sometimes you don't recognize what goes on behind the scene. Uh, but I can tell you that our last several events have been greatly enhanced by Chris's participation. So thanks, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jeff, real quick, I, actually, um, we were talking about the spiritual gift. And there was one scripture that I meditated on for a little while um, as I was trying to figure out, hey, what, what am I called to? What is my spiritual gift? Um, and it's so funny because I took notes um, a little bit um, before tonight, um, after our Zoom meeting, and you've mentioned several scriptures that have already that I was already kind of thinking mm -hmm. in. Um, my wife and I, I don't know, quick story, we're foster parents as well as adoptive parents. Um, so my wife's scripture that she pretty much uh, is passionate about is Isaiah 6 8, where it says, Whom shall I mm -hmm. And I said, Here I am, send me. Um, so that's kind of, it's been my wife's MO for a while, <laughs> her mission statement. So yeah. um, I've kind of lived with her, just adopted it as well. And um, that's just kind of how we view serving, like, who shall I send here and here? But one of the ones that I meditated on a lot was First Peter 4.10. And it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And look, like I said, I'm not the best speaker. I'm not a great level study, actually. You have, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I have. Um, but I'm probably not the best leader at it as well. 
However, um, I'm going to use whatever God's given me, and if, I'm going to give it my all. And you know what? I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're equipped or not. The truth of the matter is, is whether you're serving him and serving someone else, he's going to get the glory for it. Amen. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Chris enlisted. So using... Using the military ter terminology, Chris enlisted. He signed up. He raised his hand. That's what today is all about, just enlist. If you don't enlist, then you can't fight in the war, the spiritual war. And if you don't fight in the spiritual war, you're just going to wait to be conquered. So let's see enlist. All you got to do is enlist this time. So here are some of the things uh, that are, we're going to have coming up here because we're going to move towards the training. All right, today, just enlist. Just sign up. Find that step. Later, we'll get into the details of training for the battle. And then after that, we'll get into the battle itself and the war itself. We'll get there, I promise. Just enlist today. Our next event is going to be a football watch party, September 24th at 3.30 PM. Bring your son or bring a friend. Just hang out. So we like to do the gathering one month. We like to do the grouping or hanging out together one month. And we like to do giving where we're serving. So in September, we're going to watch some football. Hey, the deal is, man, when we hang out, we want to make it worth our while, right? It's not always about taking you away from the stuff that you like. So let's watch some football together. All right, opportunities to serve here uh, at the Sprayberry Concession Stand. If you've never done this, this is, a, this is a lot of work, but man, it's fun. Flipping burgers with guys, throwing up the orders, just like you're you know, in the back of McDonald's or something like that. It's a lot of fun. So I'd love to see Kingdom Men fill this up. I think they need 8, 12, or 15 guys, something like that. I'd like to see Kingdom Men fill this up and maybe even another one there. All right, and then after that, a uh, special guest speaker uh, is going to be coming in. And this is Jeff Struker, uh, who I personally know. He is a former Army Ranger, former uh, Ranger chaplain, special operations, best Ranger competition, kind of a legend. Uh, he's also well known for being in the movie Black Hawk Down because he was in that battle. And if you watch the movie, uh, he's the driver. And there, he, he's a pretty significant character in the movie, but he's driving the truck that's getting shot at and going through the fight through that 18-hour firefight. Um, great, great man of God, and he's going to come talk to us. Uh, by the way, if you want a little preview of him, if you ever look at his uh, commencement speech to Liberty University, it'll be a good little pre uh, preview there. So that's it, man. I'm going to release you now. Let's talk to each other. Let's ask where we are in our origin story. What's the one thing that we're going to do? 